Welcome back to the Winnipeg Foundations Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined via Teams by Megan Tate. She is the Director of Community Grants at the Winnipeg Foundation. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. How did the COVID-19 pandemic change things in terms of the foundation's granting and, and how that's all worked? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And and I would say the changes have been significant. And so it's true that every year um, the Winnipeg Foundation has a consistent schedule in terms of application intakes. And that's really important for communities so that they know what to expect from the foundation. But obviously COVID uh, changed that dramatically. And so the first thing that happened is that we really shifted our grant making focus uh, to be able to provide Um, immediate emergency support to those community organizations that are serving our most vulnerable community members. Um, So as our community had to go into a bit of a lockdown, um, many vulnerable Winnipeggers needed supports and local charitable organizations stepped up to the plate to do that. And we provided the funding to support them in that work. The big news from the foundation today is the announcement of grants from the foundation's stabilization grants program. So a total of $8.9 million to 279 charities in Winnipeg, which is amazing. Um, The foundation supports charities in so many different cause areas and different charities have different responses based on their overall activities. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, the granting program in general and how these grants will help charities in different cause areas continue to do the great work that they do. So the stabilization grants are really what we see as our second phase of our grant making response to COVID-19. So again, very quickly getting funds out to those frontline agencies. But we soon realized that all charitable organizations were being dramatically impacted by COVID, both uh, by a decline in revenues, um, as well as uh, increased costs, whether it was an increase in demand for services or even just technical needs as their their staff uh, quickly moved to work remotely. And so it really does vary depending on on the area that an organization works in. So, for example, um, frontline agencies working in the area of children, youth and families, um, family resource centers who I feel have just done tremendous work at this time, quickly had to divert their programming to be able to provide essential needs for families. In the area of arts and culture, it looks really different. So think of all the amazing arts institutions in our community that couldn't uh, continue. The show could not go on (laughs) this year. Um, I'm still mourning the loss of this summer's folk festival, um, Folklorama. Uh, Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre had to cancel their final performance, the Manitoba Opera, and so that's been devastating for our arts community. Um, When you turn to the area of health, obviously organizations that are working in the area of health um, were impacted significantly. Unfortunately, other illnesses didn't stop in the time of COVID, and so organizations like um, Cancer Care and um, Canadian Diabetes Association, all those groups that do great work to provide support for those with, with underlying or different health issues um, still needed to be able to continue their work. So really across the spectrum, it's uh, impacted our charitable community. You know, there have been some profound impacts, uh, no doubt, on the charitable sector, but it has been great to see that resiliency and to see, you know, the community kind of rally together despite the, the circumstances. 
Yes, absolutely. And I mean, the charitable sector is nothing if not resilient. And so even at the best of times, um, you know, charitable organizations struggle with, um, you know, lower revenue than what they might need to be able to, to do the great work that they do. And so the creativity that they've shown during this time, we're already seeing organizations come up with really creative fundraising ideas. So um, instead of a gala dinner, it might be dinner in at home is a way to raise funds. Um, the arts community in particular has been so creative. Um, many people, I think, I'm going to pick on the Folk Fest again, many people probably tuned into uh, Folk Fest over this past weekend. They they broadcast some performances. Organizations like the Mama Wichita Center um, found creative ways to make sure that elders in this time of social disconnection, physical disconnection, still knew that they were cared for um, and loved. And so they came up with ideas for virtual hugs for elders. Um, so just so creative in terms of what people have been able to do during this time. As you mentioned, stabilization grants have been a key component of the foundation's overall response to COVID-19. There's also been another component of the foundation's response, um, which has been the Emergency Community Support Fund. Can you speak to the Emergency Community Support Fund and how the foundation has been involved in the local portion of that program? Yeah, absolutely. And so Emergency Community Support Fund grants was a continuation of that initial work that we were doing to make sure that people's essential needs were met. And it was um, just a very generous announcement from the federal government uh, and allowing local community foundations and local United Ways to disperse federal funds to those organizations, again, that were serving vulnerable people. And so um, the Winnipeg Foundation, as a member of Community Foundations of Canada, was able to participate in that. Um, we worked very closely with our with our local United Way, our friends over there, um, to be able to continue. It really it, it expanded our ability to be able to provide funding, again, to those frontline organizations who are making sure our most vulnerable community members are taken care of. And so that's a lot of um, food security projects, making sure people have access to food, groceries, hampers, and other essential items, um, as well as making sure that even though people are physically disconnected, they still have the opportunities for social connections. So um, we were really pleased to be part of that initiative as well. And speaking of access to healthy food, um, we've covered Nourishing Potential a lot on the program before, and Nourishing Potential grants just opened for applications a couple of weeks ago. Can you tell us um, maybe briefly a little bit about the program and how, um, you know, how that process has adapted given the circumstances of the pandemic? Nourishing Potential is a is a grant program specifically to provide um, funding for nutritious food for organizations that work with youth outside of regular school hours. So that could be after school programs, summer programs, that kind of thing. Um, just making sure that they can provide nutritious food. And so, as I mentioned, we had that sort of calendar of, of intakes that we normally look at over the course of the year, but because things were so uncertain and so many youth-serving organizations had to close their doors to meet health guidelines, um, we weren't quite sure what to do with nourishing potential. But now as our community has opened up and we know that so many youth-serving organizations are there for the kids that they work with, uh, we have opened up a continuous intake of nourishing potential. So any Winnipeg 
uh, youth serving organization that is looking for some funding to provide nutritious food for the, the children and youth that they are working with um, have the opportunity to apply for up to $10,000 to support their nutrition needs. We're all slowly adapting to a, a bit of a new normal while at the same time many of the restrictions that were in place from the beginning of quarantine have, you know, have started to be lifted. Um, what are what have you been hearing from charities more recently? Have they started to implement changes that they think are going to be fairly permanent? Or are you starting to see different sectors within the charitable sector starting to go back to normal? Yeah, that's a great, a great question. And I think, you know, it's it's the middle of July, our community's really opened up and it's it seems like so long ago, but those early days, it was very chaotic and, and things were so uncertain and so unknown. And I think a little bit of that is still lingering uh, for our community, not just the charitable community, but probably everyone. Um, one thing that we hear from, from the community um, is concerns about a potential second wave. So, for example, you know, things in our community are... are well in hand, there's very few cases, um, but everyone or many organizations are almost bracing themselves for what if this happens again in the fall. Um, and so I don't, I don't think there's many organizations that have truly returned to normal or the way things were before uh, the pandemic that I think they're they're adapting and that some of those changes are probably here to stay. Um, and that also they are planning and anticipating, hoping for the best, but planning for the worst in, in case um, physical distancing guidelines have to be put into place again. Even though the health requirements have been loosened, the impacts of COVID um, are going to linger. And so, you know, just as one example, thinking of all those kids who haven't been in school since March. And so the charitable community is really stepping up uh, to provide summer education programs to address that summer learning loss and, and hopefully get kids caught up so that they're ready uh, when schools hopefully <laughs> open in the fall. And, and we know that many families have been financially impacted by COVID. Many have lost their jobs and, and have not been able to find new work again. And so, again, the charitable community is, is really uh, continuing to serve those those community members who've been impacted by COVID. Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to mention about uh, the foundation's granting or about the stabilization grants program announcement from today? Yeah, maybe the, the final thing to share is, you know, I've talked about our emergency granting as, as the first phase of our response to COVID and stabilization grants we envision as being the second stage. It was really intended to address those short and medium term needs of the charitable sector. But we're already thinking about a stage three, knowing that some of the impacts of, of COVID might last longer and have far reaching impacts for the charitable community and how can the Winnipeg Foundation continue to support um, local charities as they as they recover from COVID-19 and the financial impact that it's had on their work. If any of our listeners would like to learn more about uh, the foundation's granting or today's announcement, where can they find more information online? On our website, we have a section dedicated specifically to granting. And so that's got information about any applications that are currently open, including uh, nourishing potential, as well as any upcoming uh, application deadlines.
Perfect. So WPGFDN.org is where you can find all that information. And I've been speaking with Megan Tate, the Director of Community Grants at the Winnipeg Foundation. Megan, thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Robert. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. 